to the two marks exclusively on the pod station. Welcome, listeners, to a new show brought to you by The Two Marks. This time we are discussing The Mandalorian, Season 1. Let me just get my Casio keyboard. And once again, The Two Marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation, and social commentary. Will we have fans blagging all over the place? What has Apollo Creed been doing since he was knocked out by Rocky? With a multi-million pound budget, what can be done with an ice cream maker? What is this strange green bogey wrapped in a hot pocket playing with silver balls? Will Pedro Pascal have his eyes pushed out by the mountain? Oh, hang on. Wrong show. (laughs) This is the way. All this and more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. Oh, I tried to keep a straight face during that, but I failed miserably. And I thought I was going to do one of those, you know, those snot laughs when you try desperately not to make a noise and you end up just blowing bogeys all over the place. So I had to let it out in the end. I had a snigger. <laughs> it's dead weird because I can't see you because your camera's broken. I'm talking to just a blank screen, which is vaguely similar to talking to your blank face, but not quite as weird. It's weird. I can't gauge your reaction to what it is I'm saying, which unnerves me more than I expected. I like it. So, we're getting stuck into some Star Wars this time, aren't we? We are. It's a bit overdue. I'm sure there's lots to unpack. How have you been? I'm fine. I've, I've obviously been carefully detailing my notes on season one, which I haven't watched for about three months. So, I've watched a YouTube quick recap video. <laughs> I've, I love the effort you put into these. I've noted down as many keywords relating to the Mandalorian as popped into my head. And, yeah, I settled <laughs> for that because I only started about 15 minutes before I was due to jump on this so that's all I've time for for people new to the show do you want to explain your usual historical effort you put into them well the the short answer is I just don't do notes (laughs) I just wing it as opposed to you who writes War and Peace on yes. some of the most minutiae of detail, which is commendable. I don't by any stretch take the mickey out of your efforts because it's just something that I'm far too lazy to do myself. But there we go. Something additional to the show, isn't there? Well, there is. You see, we've got a, a guest who's joining us for The Mandalorian. He's a big Star Wars nerd. It's always nice to have a nerd on the show. We've invited him along to throw his two pennies worth into the hat. I'd be interested to know which side of the line he falls on when it comes to note taking for the purpose of this show we should really call you mark but it's not it's dave which right riley bollocks is up the title so dave how are you doing mate i'm okay mark hello the two marks good to be on it's a hello, privilege dave. and can i just say yeah i fall down on the mark pollard side <laughs> Am I carrying the show? But really, really worried. We're going to test the strength of your back, Mark, to see how well you can carry the two of us on this. Well, the interesting thing is we often bring up our friend Dave. Here he is, he exists, although when we speak of him, he's not working for Starfleet. Um, Here's a test of character. Here's to see if you are a true Star Wars fan. Let me ask you this, Dave. Who shot first? I don't know that one. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about there. What are you talking about? Where yeah. Han Solo and Greedo in the cantina? Oh. Who shot first? At this point, I should jump in then and say, if you do want to throw any abuse at us, if you do want to correct us on our gaping holes in our knowledge, and just to preface that with the fact that I love Star Wars, but I wouldn't by any stretch consider myself to be a well-educated Star Wars fan. A lot of what I say is likely to be wrong, likely to be badly interpreted, and very much suspicious 
susceptible to criticism. So if you want to throw that at me, come and get me. It's at the two marks on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, and of course, the peace and harmonious place that is Twitter. You can send an email if you really want to go to town and start writing a war and peace. Send an email to the two marks at thepodstation.co.uk. If it's too vile, do you know what? I'll just delete it. If it's wrong, well, the beauty of having a show, Mark, is I guess we can just humiliate them <laughs> in return. <laughs> if they throw well, too much. Forget, they might have a keyboard to sit behind. We control the airwaves on our own platform. <laughs> That's a lovely segue. Tell us how they can listen to us. Oh, on all of the major podcast platforms. You can go to thepodstation.co.uk and you'll find the two marks tab. If you go there, there's all the platforms. So we're on all of the major ones, but there's quick, easy links. Or you can just type in the two marks into the search field on the platform you use and you should find us there. Although one assumes if you're listening to this, you've kind of already found us, in which case I'm teaching you to suck eggs, which, uh, you know, let's keep the levels up shall we where do you want to begin with this well i suppose we should ask dave about his star wars credentials having now humiliated both of us with our lack of knowledge about han solo's shooting first yeah. thing dave where do you sit on the star wars enthusiasm spectrum probably again fall down on your side but i don't know that much really i just like watching it ah uh, dave's a kindred spirit here mark i think yeah. uh, are you a star wars nerd mark i would say my nerdiness isn't as much as it is for marvel and star trek i know more about as I've got older as you know I followed Star Trek I think when you were younger your parents were buying you collectibles well I call them collectibles people say toys let's be honest the collectibles <laughs> yeah. you were that kid that never took them out of the box in my house I have over 200 in the box figurines of Star Trek is your house in a box it is in a cardboard box <laughs> Because uh, I'm homeless. No, no, I'm not homeless. But we do need your money, so get on the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, patreon.com forward slash the pod station. Just give us some money. <laughs> I've got your kids. <laughs> You see, I never got this whole Star Trek versus Star Wars. You see, I was more into Star Trek, but that was because it was a TV series that you could yeah. watch on a really regular basis, whereas Star Wars was just more sporadic films because they were that spread out. Unless you're going to watch the same films over and over and over and over again. As much as I love Star Wars, there wasn't that constant heroin-style injection of it, was there, Dave? No, yeah, you watched it every Christmas, didn't you? Because that's all that was on. You know, I suppose it didn't really become a cult thing until later on, did it, when they started pushing it out? I was definitely on the Star Wars side of the fence like you say the Star Trek TV series was the thing but then when that stopped we weren't really into that then were you then and it, obviously it came back with all the film but I was on the Star Wars side not being a nerd but just liked it now the films came out in the 80s so where were you sitting age wise to these well, films I, I, I was retired. yeah I'd already retired at that point well I was 7 in 77 when the first one came out right couldn't afford to go to the pictures, but my brother went. I told you how great it was. By 1981, I still couldn't afford to go to the pictures, so he come back and told me how great Empire Strikes Back was, so that was my sort of introduction into Star Wars. What my brother could remember. <laughs> and how good was your brother at describing the show? Very good, actually, because I was waiting for him to come home on the, on the Empire Strikes Back and we were, we had bunk beds, so we were very poor because two of us were sleeping in the same room. So he came home and when he told me he was his father, I was quite shocked, really. I don't think what? I slept that night. I think we need some what? violin music over this bit, Mark. <laughs> it looks like he's going for one of them segments on, you know, the X Factor where you're building it up to be, yeah. you know, go for that side of the story. <laughs> you're through to the final, Dave. I mean, he didn't tell you properly because you didn't 
didn't tell you who shot first. <laughs> no, he didn't tell me that bit. You, you need to get on the phone to him now. I'll ring him because he probably that, still doesn't know. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it is a debate within the fandom of Star Wars. George Lucas edited it. Interestingly, Mark brought up, we got tied up in Star Trek. The reason why Star Trek was the go-to is because it only had the three movies. Nobody includes Christmas special and the Ewoks, unless you were, you know, interested in Endor, you know. <laughs> furry <Marvel>. things. <laughs> well, Small yeah. furry things. If that's Small your bag, furry. hey, we don't judge. Well, we had Tribbles, didn't we? So that was the equivalent of a Tribble. And but, then they invented I mean, a cream and it all went away. Yeah. Star Trek was always a staple of TV or movie viewing, yeah. whereas Star Wars, till Disney decided to yeah. purchase the behemoth of what it is now. And interestingly, a little known fact, when George Lucas sold his company for whatever billion it was, he actually got half of his money in cash. Well, obviously in the bank, not cash, got a lot of money to carry around. <laughs> California. That's a big but, sock you're going to have to find to put that in. <laughs> but he got the rest in shares and so his shares are now aware far more. He got like over a million shares. And what about the prequels, Dave? How did you feel about the prequels? Well, I think the thing is the reason it sort of like started because they came out when your kids were of that age then so they were very clever they knew everyone in the 70s would be having kids about that time and then they would be of an age where they get into it yeah it it didn't do it the kids loved them and they brought a few computer games out and stuff like that didn't they mm. but they, yeah, when you look back at them they're not great and they're not the ones you go back and watch I've got two memories from Star Wars one was in my primary school every holiday before we broke up we would watch Star Wars A New Hope and I actually wasn't allowed to go to the toilet <laughs> so I wet myself <laughs> watching Star Wars and New Hope. So I mean, technically I'm actually scarred for life psychologically. Yeah. And then the second one was when I went to see Phantom Menace. You know, when you see the crawl come up, I go, and yeah. it's got the, that wonderful music. Everyone you wet yourself. Right, yeah. I wet myself again, just that, just to be <laughs> just, fair. Just, just, well, that's just, the end just, of it, because it was so crap. I shat myself just on a death <laughs> But no, everyone was cheering at the beginning. Everybody yeah. walked out walked quietly out. at the end. Yeah. yeah, and thought, what the hell was that yeah. all about? Jar Jar Binks, what are we on with you that? see, I didn't mind the prequels when I first watched them. I thought they were all right. I'm not quite as offended by them as everyone else when you look back at some of the scripts writing and a little bit of the acting it does make you cringe a touch they're not as good as the originals and they're obviously not as good as the latest batch of Star Wars stuff but do you know what if someone sat me down and forced me to watch it I, I wouldn't be offended but I think what they tried to do was they just tried to appeal to kids too much which the original ones didn't do they were for everybody like you say Mark Jar Jar Binks what was that all about no idea <laughs> I don't know what the it hell was just, it was just too much CGI as well yeah, yeah too much and the new films now as the series we're about to discuss have taken yeah. on particularly when J.J. Abrams got involved he went back to the drawing board he yes. actually brought back stop animation for the chessboard that was yeah. used in A New Hope and he actually went back to using practical effects which I love yeah. I yeah. think you can never have too many practical effects no. Frank Oz All Jim Henderson workshop yeah. yeah you yeah. can't go wrong with them because no. there's an authenticity the uncanny valley so you know it's not real but it's actually more real than yeah. watching CGI when you know it's yeah. not real because it could be couldn't it, it exactly could but that's what ruined it for me it was literally just green screen and I think what they tried to do as well they tried to explain too much of it oh them bloody midichlorian midichlorians friggin nor it felt like you were sitting in a chemistry lesson wasn't it we know it's magic (laughs) it's like them supermarket doors that just open for you when you wave your hands at them it's just magic don't want to know how it happens (laughs) no but that's when you start telling people the secret sauce midichlorians I thought you had that when you got swimming you have to get people (laughs) (laughs) out you've nicely brought us segued us into the show that we're going to talk about today because that's a bit of a, a trip down memory lane. What we actually yeah. want to talk about is The Mandalorian, and we're going to just focus on season one for this episode. The plan is when season three comes out, we'll do an episode by episode blow, but quite frankly, we couldn't be asked doing a blow by blow for season one as much as I was just about to say, as much as we may have enjoyed it, but that would have been a spoiler. Before we get stuck into The Mandalorian, did either of you know anything about The Mandalorian?
Mandalorian no. before we got stuck into this. No, yes. I knew. I, I didn't. But again, I'm on your side of the fence. <laughs> we don't know much. Well, I mean, um, that's presumptuous of you, Dave, to sorry, think that I didn't I just, know. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. I had no idea what the fuck a Mandalorian was. I didn't, but... I didn't even know it was coming on till lockdown. And then I thought, what's this all about? <laughs> really? Yeah, I hadn't seen anything about it. It didn't seem to have been put out there that much. But And then all of a sudden it's on. And, and yeah, we went for it. And I suppose for me, when it came out, it didn't make me immediately want to rush out and get Disney Plus, which I suppose shows no. my levels of enthusiasm. But what about you, Latham? Did you know? I'm sure yeah, you did. First thing people think of is Boba Fett, isn't it, and mm. Django? Mm. Um, yeah, but you see, people always used to mention Boba and Django. Do you know what? I didn't really know who they were, and I've never understood what the cult status was of those characters. The thing that's retconned into this and expanded upon more, they're kind of a major military power. They sided with the Sith against the Jedi originally during the Republic Wars, but Boba Fett as a bounty hunter. Yeah. Now, obviously, what people don't realise is he's not actually Mandalorian. If you look at the prequels, as Dave quite rightly corrected, they explain too much. So you see yeah. Jango Fett, yeah. who is a clone. They've explained now in this series that that's not the case. So no. Boba Fett just happens to have Mandalorian armour. He's, like, he's a bounty hunter with ma- yeah. their armour. He's, he's, he's one of them fellas who turns up with all the golfing gear thinking he's yeah, a golfer and, and actually when he steps up to the tee, yeah. just shanks it all over the yeah. show. Basically, <laughs> stolen valour. He's yeah. managed to get hold of yeah. some Mandalorian armour. He's a bounty hunter. The actual Mandalorians are a cast-based system, so you have different ones do different things and they all have the rules that they follow quite involved. This show takes us nicely in the period. The Empire's been defeated and there's now a vacuum. I mean, I must admit, when I found out that that was where they were setting it, I had a bit of a Star Trek Discovery moment where, you know, you just think, oh, stop filling in blanks, will you? Can't we just move to a part of the timeline we've not visited and do something new and different? Whereas what you're doing is you're going back to somewhere where you know there's loads of canon. You can be lazy in who you pull on in terms of storylines and threads and characters and the like. Don't know whether anyone else had one of those. Oh, really? That's one of the things I enjoyed about it. Yeah, but you're talking about having now seen the season. I'm talking about before you'd seen it. Did you have sort of well of fear? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going off over there for a bit. Do you know, I didn't really, because again, they've only ever had three movies. I'm not including Ewoks one. Any show that they did, it was Disney. Having seen the effort they put into the MCU, I was quite excited. I removed all expectations. I expected zilch. You know, even if it had turned up with Kathleen Kennedy wearing a smock would have been four points for me. And because I didn't know as much as I do for Star Wars, but I had enough to get me by. And the only reason I know this is my mate Gareth, who's got himself a woman, come to ground for a while. Hi, Gareth. <laughs> Hi, Gareth. Big shout Hello, out Gareth. to you. Although I did see him the other day. And did he blank you? <laughs> I didn't recognise him. No. <laughs> Did he have a chain a ball and chain round his ankle? He's like dragging his foot along the pavement. <laughs> yeah, crying in his cornflakes. He popped in for a brew. Anyway, the only reason I know a bit more is because he plays Swotor, which is an online Star Wars game. I know all about IG-11 and the IG robots and stuff like that. I know all about them. So you've um, cheated, the- really. When you're sitting cheating? when you're sitting here taking the moral high ground with all your notes and looking down at me and Dave going, I know loads. Basically, you got your Star Wars mate to come round and give you all the answers. <laughs> to the questions <laughs> that equates to him coming to my office every day to play on this computer while I'm working <laughs> whilst he's whilst he's got headphones on and a microphone telling all his mate to pull people off so, <laughs> and I'm only getting half a conversation so I, I, I'm thinking myself, what, what, what are you playing he's going pull him get behind him get behind him pull him off pull him off <laughs> So when you've got that going on and you're trying to yeah. run a business and you just let them sort of have squatters rights, I've only picked that up vicariously because I'm like, what's this? And he's going, oh yeah, that's a such and such and that's IG8 and he's a bounty hunter from such and such. And it's like, all right, crack on, mate. I've got business to run here. Yeah. 
Should we go around the room and just give our initial thought, how we felt about season one, just to give people a baseline of where we're going to head when we, we start getting stuck into a bit more nitty gritty? Should we let Dave go first? Yeah, as I say, I'm having no sort of expectations of what it was like and just putting it on. I think, wow, this is good from minute one, I think. Just because, again, we talked about all the CGI and stuff, that just the way they've done it, the way it's shot and the look of it, it has original Star Wars written all over it. The characters, anything they've got in it, like it's the vehicles, it's the ships, it just has that original gritty Star Wars, I think, about it, rather than the CGI stuff and all strange ships. And just the way they just drop things in. I think you're right. We could have thought, oh, well, this is just like going back. But where those prequels, what they did do, they did go back and try and bring stuff in and explain everything. These have brought everything back, but just carried on. What that does, it, it just makes it so interesting because you just see stuff, you know, the original stormtroopers and all stuff like that. For me, that's what makes it so much like the first three, anything of the other stuff. It's more Rogue One, isn't it? It's what Rogue yeah. One did for it. That brought us back to where we used to be and this has just carried it on. And you can only think going forward, this is the way it's going to be. Well, I've said it, this is the way. <laughs> I threw that one. This is the way. Very nice. But this is the way it's going to be from now on. Um, <laughs> you're getting your Star Wars fill. Besides what you think of Mandalorians or Boba Fett and all that, you don't have to be into all that. You just get the feel of Star Wars, don't you? And yeah. then what you do, you throw a cute little kid in who isn't just a kid, he's just the best character ever made. Just the best. And I've got a question. Who's his mum and dad? We need to find out who his mum and dad are. Yeah, they're not a very good mum and dad, are they? Because no. one assumes <laughs> they've gone, where did you put that baby? Uh, we had a baby this morning. Where, where's baby? If you're talking about what I think you're talking about, he's not a baby, is he? He's 50 years old. Well, no, he's not. He was at some point. 49 years ago, he was. Yeah, yeah. but if he's 15, he still looks like a baby. One assumes his mum and dad, who are, like, dad, who, who are like 200 no. years old, probably still look pretty fit. Um, Spoilers here, Dave. <laughs> What way? Boilers? No, well, I mean, Yoda's not his dad. He's part of the same species as Yoda. You're a speciesist, Dave. You just assume if it's green and it's got big ears, it's related (laughs) to Yoda. Must be a Yoda, that. Seeing as we're talking about this, the baby Yoda is not a snot and a hot pocket. It's no. baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> he is the same species as Yoda, and apparently he would have been around the time of Revenge of the Sith. Would have been training. Possibly Anakin Skywalker might have slaughtered him, but he got away. So but he was, was one he, of the younglings. You, ah, you know, right. you yeah. know, know the stuff. What did but you in, think, Latham? I'm glad you asked because one of the things. Well, I'm I'd glad like, I asked. I, I wanted well, to I ask. Let me tell you. No, tell us. I'm going. To. <laughs> I insist. <laughs> Similar to Dave and his little brew. You two, you girls. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> As Dave quite rightly said, this is sort of Rogue One territory, and I loved the Rogue One. I loved the way that it picked up straight into A New Hope. Those films, for me, that's essentially my childhood, apart from Piss Me Pants. That, that was my the childhood. <laughs> I didn't push my pants every day. That was just that one time and the teacher wouldn't let me go. I really love the fact that they were trailblazing, similar to stagecraft technology. They've got these display systems that they can literally produce using computer game engine, which is what I use when I'm playing games. And then all they need to do then is build practical effects within that stage. And you've got a 360 degree on both axes yeah. of your environment and you can change that. So if you want the clouds to move, you can. I thought that was amazing. ILM have always been sort of pioneering when it comes to things, whether it was stop animation when they were moving the attack walkers what it also did is it brought in little things that people had seen for a fraction of a minute i mentioned the ice cream maker any fans will know the ice cream maker story and in fact the guy that was running around the corridors in cloud city was empire strikes back yeah was carrying an ice cream maker and they brought it back when they have the introduction scene to our favorite film director herta wernzog they obviously retconned it well not retconned it but they made it a thing and in fact the guy who was carrying ice cream maker ended up getting his own action figure so i just loved all of that and they brought in the troop carrier 
which was actually a toy, never been in any films, and they brought that in. Although, kind of think, oh, it's going to be a bit boring because we're just going to be living in it. What they're actually doing is they're making use of the other stuff that's never been touched upon, but it yeah. is in the wider thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it should be said that if you weren't aware, on Disney Plus there is a documentary type series on this very show. They go through how each of the episodes is made and all the technology you've just mentioned there, and it's well worth watching if you haven't watched because it is yeah. fascinating how they create some of these. You assume they go out to a desert in the middle of nowhere to film some of the stuff, and it turns out they're in a car park. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somewhere probably in England somewhere where it's raining outside and they've just created this other universe I mean it'd be an amazing job to go through every day just yeah. messing around with that John Favreau yeah. is a wonderful director he's familiar with the Disney process because he's Happy Hogan in Iron Man and others he also is a fan you can tell like the guy who directed Rogue One he's a childhood fan yeah. and you can tell it in the films Ryan bloody what's his face who did the latest one is not a fan no well I think you get that from the show Mark was just talking about when they're all sat around the table and they're explaining where they got the characters from like you say where they got the ice cream maker from they're bringing all that stuff out and when you think about it the stuff that's there it's just endless in it what they can bring but they understand what we've talked about those prequels weren't very good turned us off so you just got that from that show that they're all interested in it they want to make it back to 1977 really but with new technology they did go for a very sort of grungy feel so yeah yeah, gritty is the word I was after everything's got scratches and is dusty well it was like when one of the stormtroopers got hit it was just like crap plastic <laughs> it sounded like crap plastic but that's what it is isn't it you know what I mean? well even the stormtrooper outfits because in this the empire or what remains of the empire is basically just a ragtag bunch of crooks all the uniforms look like they've been dragged through a hedge backwards yeah. they're all scratched they're all yeah. dusty Nobody yep. looks like they're trained properly. Yep. There's no organisation to it. and But that adds that element of realism, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. The thing to add to that, actually, is although it looked like that, the Empire is massive. Fans don't understand. They just think the Death Star contained millions of people. All I'm going to say thereby is mass murdering, just in case the rebels there are mass murderers, uh, because all those stormtroopers were married and had families, just yeah. saying. Um, <laughs> but basically... What people don't realise is they just think that the whole of the empire was just shoved on one massive globe looking like a moon. And the fact is it's massive. You don't realise until you play the games how big the empire is. And the period you're in right now is all of the warlords that were controlling their group of stormtroopers, want for a better word. All that's happening now is they're basically vying for power. So they're basically finding all the people that they've got and saying, do you want to join my group? And they're all fragmented right now because obviously don't forget it's a few years before uh, is it the new order comes no they're a band from the 80s yeah no it is order. it lends into that the doesn't it so the first, the first order i think new order is gonna have someone doing us for copyrights the first mm-hmm. order the ones where it aims to be where then you've got the brand new stuff and it's all fresh right yeah. now you've got warlords across the galactic empire just finding massive. stuff <laughs> yeah and finding so stuff and putting yeah we're in just it. on one yeah. planet where they've at the moment They've got a loose hold over the planet because of what's gone on and their flagship base of operations has gone the way of Alderaan. And, you know, now they're all just crumbling for power, which is why we get when we move on into this episode, the person who's now controlling all these people, who is their main boss. But above him, there's others and there's other warlords across the Galactic Empire that are all doing exactly the same. So there's millions, billions of them mm-hmm. because we find out how they recruit as well, don't we? We know now the cloning stopped since the problems with Order 66. Execute do Order 66. Have you done that on your um, Amazon 
whatever it's called. It's the only thing I can remember from the prequels. Yeah. The Amazon Echo, and actually, Siri, if you ask it to execute Order 66, it does something exciting. Yeah, right, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Hey, Siri, execute Order 66. I don't know why I suddenly started talking American. No, it's just said I'm sorry. I think my Siri is too peaceful and and people loving. It can't be my Siri if it is, but clearly it likes people. Have you got Alexa? That's Android, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ask Google. I don't do Android, darling. (laughs) Let me see if I... Have I got OK Google on my shitty phone? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Did they have it in 1985? I need to go and speak to Robert Louis Stevenson. Well, you, to train. you need to be careful because if we're doing these voiceover things, you might end up ordering 66 pizzas by accident. <laughs> I'll have dominoes coming to each of our houses. <laughs> well, yeah. if- so, but, but as, apparently if, if you've got the Amazon Echo or Siri, they come back with a little witty thing in regards to that. Mine hasn't. He hasn't even ordered me a pizza. By the no. way, if Domino's wants to be a sponsor of the show, the two marks at thepodstation.co.uk, we're very happy to meet the challenge of trying to eat our way through 66 pizzas, aren't we, boys? Yeah, I'll help you out with that. Do, do we have a... Pre- do we have a... Well, I was just about to say, what's your preference topping, but meat feast. Dave, what about you? I'll have some chicken. Chicken. Well, I put chicken on the meat feast. You see, Dave, I have the full head. I get the meat feast. You have chicken plus plus, don't you? We've got 66 coming, so we just order one of them. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, spread them out, can't you? You can have a meat one and then you can have like individual meat ones. We'll cut them up and swap them around them. Not a vegetarian or pineapple. If anyone puts a pineapple on pizza, I'll punch them out. (laughs) Why? I quite like ham and pineapple pizza. Well, it's the whole misrepresentation and under the sales of goods act that when you say it's a Hawaiian, if you go to Hawaii, you won't get a pineapple on a pizza. You won't get the pizza. pizza. No, no, exactly. And if you go to Italy and ask for a pineapple on a pizza, throw you, send it out. Did you send the mafia around to just maim you and your your family? I feel we've digressed there. Coming back to the Mandalorian, (laughs) much like the mafia areas of certain parts of the world, the Mandalorian goes very much a Western theme, doesn't it? Where there's a massive power vacuum, despots and lunatics are getting on with doing pretty much whatever they want, and the poor ordinary folk can do quite literally sod all about it. Well, I mean, this picks up quite nicely where... He's obviously the Mandalorian is undertaking his latest job. And, you know, you've sort of got the style you saw from A New Hope with the cantina and that dusty. Yeah. It was always the way, pardon the pun. That oh, get you. You're, you're, just... you're too slow, mate. You're, you're picking up on Dave's joke there. He's been there. Get your own jokes, you lazy sod. <laughs> George Lucas always trying to do sort of the way of the warrior stuff, wasn't he? Where yeah. it was going to be the Japanese type films with the Wild West films that they were his go-tos for films. So he was trying to have a sort of a soap opera, a Wild West style soap opera in space, wasn't it? Yeah. So for this, that just fits nicely into this where you can see it's all dusty and he's sort of the sheriff. He's like the Clint Eastwood character. Anyway. Yeah. So it's a few dollars more and all that type of inspiration. Yeah. Well, he nearly says as much as Clint Eastwood. <laughs> you can't see yeah, his face throughout, can you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What about the music though? How much of that general vibe is made by that theme tune because it is an incredibly catchy tune. That's one of the things that I enjoyed about the show is it's one of the few shows I didn't flick past the end credits. Yeah. Usually, apart from, again, apart from Marvel, when you know there's going to be a post credit scene, any other show, as soon as the credits start rolling, unless I'm interested in who particularly played a part, I just turn it off. And this one, I listened to it. Again, the only other one that was like that was Deep Space Nine. I quite got into the Deep Space Nine intro. 
I don't know, I'd still skip it, fast forward it if I could. I'm too impatient, I want to get stuck into the story. Oh. They don't really let you do that on Disney Plus, do they? They make you sort of watch yeah. through it. I mean, you can oh, skip yeah. small bits, but I think you skip about three seconds and it's yeah. not really worth doing. You might as well sit through it. Shall we go through? I mean, it's difficult to go through the story arc, particularly without any notes. So, Mark, if you want to pick up a story arc type discussion, I might be reliant upon you. From what I can remember, he gets sent to kill Baby Yoda, decides not to, spends the rest of the show keeping Baby Yoda alive, trying to find his family or take him back to his people, and thus ends season and one <laughs> the full extent of what I can remember. Well, I mean, I was going to go just briefly bimble across the Ooh. episodes, just picking up bimble picking away, up, bimble across the episodes. Because I mean, the thing that I was going to just say to bookend your comment, the reason why I watched the intro with the music is because they're only about thirty-five minute episodes. <laughs> they're not massive episodes, so as soon as you fast forward, half your episode's gone. It's just <laughs> Mandalorian turns up, and then it's the din. But it doesn't feel like thirty-five minutes. So These episodes. Right. Just it feels like a film. It does, doesn't it? it does. Yeah, it's like a little mini film. And the best thing about it is you're always one in the next one. Exactly, which is why these are, it's a binge-worthy show. So, good, so yeah. I mean, if you're happy to just kind of, I suppose, bullet point our way through each of the episodes. Let's do it. Hey, I've got some things. notes, by the way, so. Oh, well, no. oh hey. Yeah, this is you sitting there pretending you're going to need notes and you're sitting there with them sort of hidden away. So if we start with Chapter 1, The Mandalorian, obviously we meet... The Mandalorian, Mandalorian. funnily enough. Yeah, well, I hope so. I'll be be very (laughs) upset if someone else turned up. (laughs) And obviously, he's completing his latest job, which is to pick up Mithral, who is in the cantina on the planet Moldo Kreez, and to secure the bounty in Carbonite, which again, let's call back to Han Solo. It brings all that full circle with all the Carbonite again. Can I just stop you there for a second? This beginning bit, I mean, it tickled me a touch, but when he gets what can only be described as a taxi driver to drop him off back at his yeah. ship. One assumes that taxi driver's driven around there before and therefore is aware that an enormous thing can, yeah, can literally burst out of the ice at any point and destroy him in the blink of an eye and will be perhaps a bit keener just to drop him off. Ricky Tick and get off. Whereas, I mean, the guy seemed quite blase, to be perfectly frank. And when he got gotted, I'm thinking, well, it's your own stupid fault because yeah. one assumes you knew this thing was there and yeah. you just didn't not care. Not a very good taxi driver if he doesn't know his way around. No, well, he's not getting a tip, is he? <laughs> Continue, Mark. I just wanted to get that off of my chest. Yeah. That was kind of his intro. And so it sets the scene of what he's doing. He's obviously a bounty hunter. That's part of what his sect deals with. He's part of that order. And then obviously then he's looking for more work. So he heads off to Navarro and he bumps into Beef. So it's Beef. It sounds like something I've just ordered off me Chinese menu. I was going to say Beef Credo. It's not Beef Credo. It's, it's Grief Cargo, which is what happens when you order from a courier. So yeah, Grief Cargo played by Carl Weathers, famous for being the guy with a massive gun in Predator. And also playing Apollo Creed. Yeah. He's bimbled around. He's popped up in a few shows that I've seen. But here he is. We've wheeled him back out. So basically, he has a conversation with him and says, Oh, we've got any work for me. And he's like, oh, Well, I can only offer you some jobs that are kind of off the books, sort of thing. And he's like, Well, dealing directly with a client. And then we get a massive introduction to well famous director 
Werner Herzog, controversial director, in fact, but director nonetheless. So he is, as we find out, an Empire official because he's clearly being protected by the Stormtroopers and he wants him to track down this thing. And obviously he gives him a tracking device and you find out that this is a 50-year-old tracking signal. So then Mandalorian decides, all right, I'm going to find that. So off he pops to the planet of Arla 7, which is basically where he finds all the blags those little, some angry, I compare them to like Karen's, you know, when you get a Karen who wants to get your manager and sack you because you've parked in a parking space. <laughs> They're like little blags, aren't they? Um, just really angry Karens everywhere going, you blag. Have you had your vaccine? So that just reminds me of like, like proper angry Karens wanting to get you sacked. So and then, and obviously you see the wonderful Cooley, which again, practical effects, voiced by the amazing Nick Nolte, who they wheeled him out of retirement. I loved him. He yeah. is the epitome of how I live my life, where people say something, they go, I have spoken. And you yeah. just cut people off of the knees. You go, no, not interested. Stop there. Don't care. I have spoken. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, I... and then Karen punches you out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then the blur gets me. <laughs> So yeah, wonderful Nick Nolte. And then he gives him indicating to where this signal may well be. And then we kind of fast forward in the episode to a settlement and he sees a few armed guards as a bit of fight bumps into IG-11, a bounty hunter droid that we've seen before in yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So and then another little call back to that. And obviously anyone who played the game, SWOTOR, will know that AAG droids were, I think, upgraded by the uh, KS models. I probably got that wrong, so write in if you're not happy. So yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, you could be just talking Greek talking right now. Yeah, I've got, you've lost me there, yeah. I'm just <laughs> nodding. I'm, I'm nodding, just pretending that I know the answer to that. The really good thing about that is the IG-11 is voiced by New Zealand director and actor. What's the guy? Taika Waititi, yeah. Uh, you yeah. see, you didn't know that, did you? Is that because you Googled it, you dick? No! <laughs> I knew that anyway. I recognise his voice. Well, he's got one wonderful... He plays Korg, doesn't he, in the... Thor. In yeah. Thor, yeah. So, yeah, so he's obviously... They agree to work together for the benefit of the partnership, and then they're able to fight their way through. They well, find both the after targets. the same thing, aren't they? Yeah, well, that's right. Um, but he obviously, being an android or a robot, however you want to put it, is obviously focused on the singular thing. Yeah. And then, but why does it? Them. Quick question: Why does the robot want a bounty, though? I mean, presumably, being a robot, it doesn't really it's, care no. about a bounty because it's not no, like it's, it can go he... buy new stuff, particularly because it's a robot. What can it buy? Well, like R2-D2 and then CP3O, or CP3O is a protocol droid. He's been programmed that way. Yeah, it's but they have a debate over sharing the bounty, don't they, by teaming mm-hmm. up together. And it didn't really make a huge amount of sense because I just didn't see why... He wouldn't I'm... be bothered, would he? No, why would an android give a flying monkeys about a bounty? It's not going to buy well, itself. Because he did in Empire. It's what they've been trained to do. Yes, but I'm allowed to criticise it. I can't be nice all the way through about this show. I've got to have a moan about something. I mean, it's a good character. And again, for the fans, it was just a nice callback. And then we find out that the actual target turns out to be, as people have been kind of giving him the title, Baby Yoda. Ah, um, and so IG-11, to address Mark's point, IG-11 wants the baby dead. And Mando says he doesn't agree with that and probably blasts IG out of commission. And yep. then he's obviously got this pack, which he's having to deal with. And that's kind of wraps up, unless anyone else has got lots of notes. That kind of wraps up chapter one in terms of bullet points no it feels like there's more in this first episode but we also get to see about his armor and going he goes downstairs doesn't he into the yeah he into, does into the what the forgery 
Yeah, he does. Uh, after he's brought the fella back in the carbonite, he gets paid yeah. and he takes his, his, his dollar and gets himself, was it like a new shoulder pad or something? Yeah. Very 80s. Yeah, that's all he can afford, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. episode three. Is it? It's not. Yeah. It I'm that? sure it's episode one where he goes and gets himself some. He meets the armor in episode three. No, he doesn't because he gets the, in episode one when he meets the big bad who wants Baby Yoda dead, what he does is he gets a piece of his pay up front and he gets paid for the person that we see him bring back off the planet where the taxi driver gets nailed and like Dave says he gets himself a new shoulder pad because it's broken yeah. and then when he brings baby Yoda back he gets a big he gets a load of one good doesn't he? yeah and he goes and gets himself a whole new outfit of yeah. sexiness so we don't the, the fact is Mark we don't need notes we just we know shit that. yeah alright <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, continue with episode two, Mark. Now we've corrected you on some of the fundamentals. That's what we're here for, Dave, isn't it? Just to pick up the loose yeah. ends. I appreciate the picking up the slack there. Yeah, very good, guys. <laughs> I mean, did you have any other bits that I've missed apart from getting a shoulder pad? What else did I miss? That's all right. Dave says you did well there. So. Well, Mark. I've well, spoken, so shut up. Keep going, Tiger. <laughs> Most kind. So moving swiftly on to chapter two, noted the title is The Child. We now have an upgrade. Yoda's now in a basket case. Yeah. So he now comes with his own carry case, Close making it a lot easier. I mean, to be fair, that's quite a good bit of technology. If you're going shopping and you can't be bothered carrying something, you just let it float on its own, put all your bread in there. When you buy the baby order in real life, do you get a carry case or does it just come on no. its Todd? comes on its own because I actually bought it as a gift. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, we've got one. Oh, have you? Yeah. What does it do? Well, you can get two, can't you? You can get the one that just sits there, and you can get the old animatronic one that does all... We didn't buy that one. <laughs> was that a bit more expensive, was it? Too, more, too expensive. <laughs> well, I pre-ordered it when I saw it on Hasbro being promoted. I got both of them, not for me as a gift, and mm. they were talking... It was When it was being advertised, it was being shown in the carry case, and obviously you had to make the point that it doesn't come with the carry case. But yeah. And do you know what? I hated that, and it was particularly for things like Star Wars, where you'd see magazines. This is pre-internet kids it did exist and you'd get these toy magazines a bit like the Argos catalogues and as a kid I'd sit and flick through it over Christmas you know trying to make up a list of what I wanted and they'd take pictures of all these toys with the, like the most amazing scenes and oh, yeah. all the stuff and when you asked for the toy you sort of didn't really know which part of that photograph you were going to get were you going to get this cool background or was it just going to be the figure on its own and, and it was always just the figure it was always just a figure wasn't it yeah, so you had to play with it on the carpet, and it wasn't the same, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. He was most, un- most unhappy about that fact. <laughs> well, he um, didn't even know they were because his brother hadn't properly explained no, them to him. And, and you knew nothing about them. We just got these toys at Christmas and thought, what are these? <laughs> Dave was a bit upset. He was expecting a huge boulder to be chasing him down the corridor, and it's like, just give me the, the synopsis for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Imagine if he gave you the synopsis for, for graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave you a random George Lucas film and he went, Oh, yeah, it's a really good film. It's like loads of kids in the 50s just sitting on cars, bonnets. I sci fi. No. Right. Anyway, back to it. So, Baby Yoda now comes with his own carry case and he is now being transported with the Mandalorian across the Avala 7 desert. And then, suddenly, as we find out along the way, the little cheeky Jowers, little cheeky hey, Jowers. They've ruined the ship, haven't they? Yeah. What? The ship apart. This is another thing, right? Do you know in films where they land the spaceship and then they just fuck off wherever it is that yeah. they're going and do the thing? It always bothers the shit out of me because 
my fear is exactly what happens here. You know, like on Star Trek or basically any sci-fi where they land the spaceship in a car park and then just leave it and it's like, are you going to lock it up? Are you going to put some force fields on it? Because some little meth's going to come in and break into it. Just- yeah, Nick, your stereo. And this is exactly what happened. This is like my worst nightmare for my spaceship, coming back and finding <laughs> your- it just with its wheels. What, your Razor Crest? Yeah. It's like parking in Manchester. <laughs> Every time they land, they just kind of leave it. And particularly when they leave the door down, it's like, wow, why do you just hang a sign saying, come on in and help yeah, yourself? They do. <laughs> Which they obviously, did. well, in this case, they did. But anyway, um, I've got it off my chest now. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so obviously comes back and his ship has been turned into a car. Vandals, vandals, send to prison. Yeah. Well, he doesn't let it lie, does he? No, he doesn't. And in, no. True, in true bounty hunter form. He uh, treats Gets his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. He chases the Jowers down, and with the help of Kuiels, he basically strikes a deal, and he acquires what... Is whoa, 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 you've just skipped that bit. He Fine. tracks him down, gets his ass kicked, and has to rely upon his mate to get him out of the shit and yeah. to get his shit back. Yeah. That's an entirely different description of the circumstances. Keep it real, Mark. I thought the ass kicking was what you covered. Well, no, it was the way you described it. I felt you made it sound like, you know, we tracked them down, entered straight into negotiations. No, he didn't. <laughs> that was only when he had no other choice but to negotiate because they'd, they'd basically hot-rodded him, hadn't they? Yeah, with a just said you're not getting it back. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest, though. It is the equivalent of going into a school playground and punching out some kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the size of the Mandalorian with all of his weapon systems, and then you've got people dressed in their pyjamas and dressing gowns. Yeah. And apparently you're not allowed to punch kids these days. So, uh, yeah, he he was in the wrong, apparently. (laughs) Enough of them need a good punching, in my opinion. (laughs) Moving swiftly along before we get a phone call from MI5. (laughs) So as Mark quite lately says, there was a little bit more altercation going on rather than that. And our friend from episode one is able to strike a deal and he acquires the egg and they give it back to him. And basically... But then uh, you just eat the egg. It's like a Cadbury's cream egg. Oh, did it make you want to eat a Cadbury's yeah. cream egg as well? It was just about a big Cadbury's cream egg. Oh, that goo in the middle. So when you eat your Cadbury's cream egg, Dave, do you bite the top off and lick out the bit in the middle, or do yeah. you just go yeah. full in? Go for it. You shove it right in? Yeah. The whole thing? No, no, sorry. Top off and... <laughs> no, no, I'm going to be... I don't want to know, I don't want to know what you're wearing. I mean, I want to know how you're eating the egg. Eat the top off and take the goo out. <laughs> I'm still, not, I'm still not sure, Matt, whether we're talking about the egg or what he's, he's doing while he's eating the egg. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify, Dave, he was asking you how you eat a Cadbury's cream egg, not what you get up yeah, to at night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the backstory, though, David. <laughs> we'll have to do a full series on this, but yeah. uh, we'll just stick to the fact that you like to just bite the end off <laughs> and then lick it out. Keep going. <laughs> I don't want to say it's a doublon tundra. <laughs> it's finished. It's finished. Yeah, it, it is done. This is the way. Anyway, so, they've anyway, the egg. So that is it. So keep going on the egg. And they give him all his stuff back. Have they don't help him rebuild it, though, do they? I, I'm not oh, being God, funny. No. Part of me negotiation would have been, A, give me it back, and B, yeah. you can put it back where you found it, you lazy little cretins. Because there's some work to do on that. Fast. They haven't left an awful lot by the time they no. find it. He's having a bit of a bad day, though, isn't he, our Mandalorian, on this episode? Because he has to then face down after having to chase after a pile of scrotes who've run after his wheels. He basically then have to put it together, but also <clears throat> he has to face down a mudhorn, which 
to be honest, after a, a hefty fight in the mud. Let's not beat around the bush. He gets his ass kicked for a second Again. time. And, Again. It, and but for baby Yoda, he'd probably end bitten the butt, bullet as well. Indeed, and this is where we get an introduction to his force powers, who oh, was able right, yeah. to... Uh, levitate the mud horn it's obviously pretty tiring work because no sooner has baby yoda done this is he kind of yawns and goes into a coma <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously this time is obviously the mandalorian trying to fix the razor crest and the mandalorian offers kuil a job to be with him and he says no i'm happy to be free of servitude and then the mandalorian flies off into the sunset and we have the credits roll. It's quite interesting, though, about that, because he admits, doesn't he, Cruel, that he worked for the Empire, so for all intent and purposes during the first original movies, he would have been seen as the bad guy because he's working for the Empire. And yeah. it sort of adds a bit of nuance that he was a slave, which then yeah. does beg the question how many other people who were perceived as bad guys, and going back to Marx taking a moral stance on who died on the Death Star, how many of those people on there were there by virtue of being forced on there as slaves or through threats and were ultimately good people, a bit like Cruel, but just find themselves in a shitty situation. Deep, man. Well, you, you see very, that, don't you, in deep. Rogue One, don't you, and stuff and how certain people... In fact, the film that's not wonderful, but Solo, you see you know, the, the, the kind of prequel film, Solo, you see that he went for a job with the Empire. Yeah. And it's kind of, if you want to have a call back, it. you know, it's like sort of in, in our history, you know, we've had situations where people were like, well, I'm just following orders. The old classic. Well, Dave, we should prefix this again with the fact that Mark's trying to sound make this sound like it's uh, an honourable thing that you're forced to do, but that's because Mark did actually apply for a job as a stormtrooper, didn't you? I did. Legitimately applied for a job as the Empire. He he did want want to join the Empire. He did apply to be. And why didn't he have you, Mark? There's two reasons. (laughs) So the first time... This is a true story, Dave. It's honestly, yeah. right. So the first time I wasn't allowed to be a stormtrooper because they were clones at the time I was applying and the five foot eight. Right. I'm five foot, I'm sorry, five foot 10 and I'm five foot eight. So that's, I had the very heightest. I love in the world will equal opportunities exist. Terrible the second, so the second time when I applied, I was told we only recruit around London. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's nice at the minute. Because it was when they weren't, it was when the stormtroopers like now and they weren't clones and all, and you could also be different genders. Yeah. This is pre the recent election where the North took back some of its yeah. honour and its power from the South. Absolutely. At yeah. which point Mark would have been able to join the evil empire and be a stormtrooper. Yeah. So I've missed out twice. And then people say, well, why don't you just say to tell people you were a stormtrooper? It's like, well, who am I fooling? No one, no one cares less. No. <laughs> no one cares. You tell someone you're a stormtrooper, they go, all right, and. Um, and then the new yeah. person you're lying to is yourself. <laughs> and that just makes you sad inside. Exactly, yeah. Well, it's sad, day, sad inside your evil heart. Although, update that story. I was working with someone the other day who was a stormtrooper, and he said to me, his exact words were, you dodged a bullet. And I said, oh, really? Why? And he said, well, you weren't allowed to eat anything for eight hours. And they were 16-hour days. And he said, in fact, it was that bad. One stormtrooper shot himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd know all about that in Star Wars, well, wouldn't you? Myself. That, I mean, that, that, that role was quite literally made for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So now if you ask the question, how the stormtroopers go to the toilet? Well, basically inside the heat costume. <laughs> yeah. So so is it like method actor then? Because it's the evil empire, so they're just making you... Yeah. 
the big thing that's everywhere. Yeah. Like look at someone, and you think, do they even know you're looking at them? You're just basically naked inside that costume, shitting yourself. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a horrible thought. Move on to episode three. Yeah, episode three, the sin. We get an introduction to Yoda, who is now roaming around the ship's cockpit, yeah. messing around with his balls. <laughs> Yeah, which you know leads us into that company that wanted us to sponsor their podcast. Oh, well, we didn't mention that because I broke the recording. Do I now have to explain this? Now you've dropped me in it again. Yeah, because you're giggling. <laughs> <laughs> so for the benefit of the people who weren't able to listen to the first version of the recording before I realised I'd accidentally unplugged the recording wire, we received a message the other day saying, hi, hope you're good. I work with a client who needs podcasters to receive a review kit for our product and they will promote your podcast in return. If interested in teaming up with this brand and earning whilst you do so, please message at my smooth balls. <laughs> in fact, it's nice. So at smooth my balls. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I can't decide whether it's real or not. But uh, well, I think you should uh, reply and see if we can do an irreverent review of it. I think that would be quite hilarious just well, for our own benefit. Well, it can't be any more irreverent than the reviews they've got actually on their Instagram page. So they've got, my balls have never been so fresh. Just had to have a morning dump and thought, why not do something productive while I'm waiting? Came out with my SMB trimmer, whipped it out like a Wild West cowboy. Yeehaw. <laughs> yeah, two things wrong with that is one, what is he eating to have a dump that is the same time as you can shave your balls? Two, when I wake up in the morning, I'm that blurry eyed. I'd end up cutting my foreskin off. <laughs> well, the other one was one word, amazing. My missus loved how clean and tidy I was after using your product. It left my balls as smooth as eggs. It must have pubes like a bear setty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, watch this. Bit. Messages. On social media as to whether or not I should message back and uh, actually no, just find out whether the they're Go for the pizzas. I don't pube them pizzas, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose if you've got 66, you've got a spare one that you could perhaps try it on. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave, not only topless eating the meg, he's also wiping. <laughs> he's shaving his pubes on onto a, t- onto a pizza <laughs> as well. <laughs> At the same time. Oh, what a thought. You into slosh. Oh, please go back to episode three or else I won't anyway, sleep tonight. Yeah, so he's playing with his balls and there's a little <laughs> bit of a, a humorous... Dave's not playing with his balls. This is Baby Yoda. And there's a bit of a tune throwing between Mandalorian and Baby Yoda where he's just basically saying, can you give us me gear sticks? Oh, <laughs> can you give me my balls back? Yeah. Can I have them, please? They're in my purse. Baby Yoda, um, you're not allowed to touch my balls without my permission. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a clear disregard of consent, isn't there? Uh, it, it appears that Baby Yoda can just grab your balls willy-nilly and uh, try and eat them. And because he's, he he's, he's cute, he gets away with it. He gets away with exactly. it. Exactly. Which is, I'm going to try that when I'm next in boots. <laughs> <laughs> Although one of my classic lines was uh, when I was queuing for a meal deal, I did turn around to an attractive lady behind me and I went, you look lovely, you're like a hogany table. In which case I destroyed all chances at that point. <laughs> Um, it, you're very attractive you've got lovely skin like a mahogany table I just want to buff you up oh my god I hope you really didn't say that to anyone that's exactly what I said but I did it on purpose to destroy any chance of having to take it further enough to get married um, <laughs> there you go then. so that never happened so I'm back on the Razor Crest and it returns to Navarro where the Mandalorian makes a delivery to his client, who, although at this point, he is a little bit kind of having a bit of moments of conscience to think whether he should be handing over this baby or whatever it is, a really, really old man, to his client. 
There, there's we, lots of questions there, in yes. a, handing a baby over to an old man. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get away with that nowadays, no. would you? It sounds very 1970s BBC DJ-esque. Who ruined my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to Rolf Harris. Well, basically then, after doing that, as we rightly said earlier on, he then takes, having been given his ice cream maker full yeah. of Beskar, he whizzes back to Emily Swallow, who is the woman who does the voice and plays the armourer, to get his shiny armour. He goes um, all bling, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Beskar is by far the greatest, which is why it can have laser shots, ricochet off it and things like that. Yeah. So he's looking. I felt he should have come out of that, you know, to a hip-hop gangster tune with all these bling and maybe his ship can start bounce up and down, you know, like those cars do in the music videos. Yeah. <laughs> it just starts bouncing to the beat. Boom, boom, boom. Like a bit of yep. drum and bass. And we yeah. do also meet the other Mandalorian, don't we, Mark? Oh, we meet a few, don't we? There's, There's a, a few couple. Down there. Yeah. Well, they're all part of this guild. All the guilds have different agreements of what they're going to do. So he's part of this guild, and obviously the armor is the person who brings all the stuff back, and she's the only person who can melt it down. And I think they've got different skill sets because there's, like like there's a heavy sort of a berserker Mandalorian, yeah. and there's different ones who are trained in different weapon systems. So then... Obviously, now with his new armor, we fast forward and he goes back to the cantina area where Grief has a conversation with him and he tells him to walk away and enjoy the bounty he's had. But because this has been weighing on him, he's thinking about giving this baby away or whatever. He ends up deciding to take a visit back to the client and storm his way in. And so we get this action scene, don't yeah. we, with all of the... With the stormtroopers. Stormtroopers. Now, there's a thing, people, fans at the YouTube being fans of the Star Wars, you, you would know this about stormtroopers being very poor at shooting people. The fact remains that actually stormtroopers, if, if you know the history of stormtroopers, are very, very, very well trained. So the fact that they were missing Luke in all the Star Wars films would indicate that they were purposely trying to not hit him because obviously he was going to move over to the dark side. So that, I mean, oh, they were drunk. Made, well, maybe that, or they've been, yeah. you know, ordered, they'd ordered 66 pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> and they're in a food coma. They had double visions, meat sweats. Or maybe or they all shot themselves. I don't know. But basically, they are very well trained. So the myth that they can't shoot anything is incorrect. In fact, it may well be to lead you into a false sense of security. But because the Mandalorian is a highly trained bounty hunter, he basically dispatches them very quickly and arrives just in time to stop Dr. Pershing from yeah. doing whatever experiments were going to happen on him. Yeah. I think at this particular stage of the episode, we think he's probably trying to extract the midichlorians. Yes, they appear again. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. they don't mention them, though, because no, they didn't want to subject themselves to ridicule by the fans. Yeah. I noticed that. They'd very carefully not say that. So basically then, because of this action, which goes against one of the rules, it basically means that all the mercenaries within that town area yeah. suddenly come after Mando and he, he flees with baby Yoda and even the person who was kind of telling him to enjoy his bounty yeah. grief tries to take him down but we had um, found out that they'd all been tasked with finding yes everything. well that was an interesting part of the episode wasn't it because all their little bounty hunter apps were yeah. basically sending them LinkedIn <laughs> profiles yeah. yeah telling you you've just had a message Kill the Mando. He's, he's, and he's on the loose again, so you've got to go yeah. find him. So, Dave, did you get one? Did you get a notification? You yeah, were too eating an egg. I know I had me 66 pizzas to, to finish <laughs> off. Yeah. Did you just text back saying, I'm halfway through a meet? I'll I'm be there in a minute. I said, I've got the top off my egg and my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. Uh, yeah, I'm tongue deep in an egg. <laughs> 
I've got 66 pizzas. I'm, I'm currently door. shaving my pubes after a pizza. I've got to shave my pubes after a pizza. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my word. So anyway, Dave's not shaving his pubes, but grief saying to him, right, we've got to take him down. And then he leads to his ship. Then we move on to basically comes to the end of the episode. Mandalorian and the baby Yoda are on the run. Now, you mentioned grief, Carga, as in Carl Weathers' character. He was only supposed to be in the first episode, wasn't he? But they liked the character so much, they kept him on. This is the good thing with the show is it wasn't to try and do a DC and go, oh, by the way, here's such and such. Oh, by the way, here's 10 seconds, such as... The idea was, as the Mandalorian is going through his journey, these people pop up as milestones or distractions, and then you deal with those, and then you move on. But because fans loved certain characters, they did, in fact, as you rightly say, bring him back. I think this is what really impressed me about this show, and I'm going to use Star Trek Discovery as the example of an alternative, and if anyone's listened to our Disco Fever Star Trek Discovery podcast show, you'll have heard me bang on about this before. But the problem with Star Trek Discovery is you've got a cast of people who are all on the bridge or a parcel of the crew. And it feels like they did nothing with the characters. They gave you no story arc. So you didn't know the bloody hell they were. You didn't really care about them whatsoever. And then occasionally they realised that they could probably do with padding that out a little bit and suddenly gave you a deluge of information in about 10 seconds. And all of a sudden you were supposed to care about that character where in actual fact, sort of three seasons in, still most of the crew they could wipe out and I actually wouldn't care one iota. The difference with The Mandalorian is at no point do you feel like you're being force-fed information so that you care about the character and at no point do I feel like I needed to know more about Grief and his background and yet I still really liked his character and I was still very intrigued as to how and where he fitted into the storyline and I think that's what The Mandalorian does so well in this entire first season where they introduce lots of new characters but it doesn't feel like you're having them thrust upon you so they've got a bigger cast of people it kind of they introduce them when it fits into the story arc they serve the purpose for which the story arc needs and then they're either kept on or moved off subject to whether or not they're still needed and you kind of learn stuff as and when you need to and when you want to and I thought that was a really clever way of doing it. They make use of when you're building a narrative and you have a storyline to follow that you have a set circumstances where you want your hero to be in they use and I've mentioned it in our discovery podcast the use of a cipher and that's basically a character written simply to move the story forward or provide exposition or whatever you want that cipher to do, which allows to drive the story forward, which without boring the viewer. And I think the Mandalorian is you exactly. Yeah, you don't have to like build a backstory. In, no, no, you, it's, you know it, well, it in your head where they come exactly. from and well, where they're going. Well, you put the dots together yourself. Krull's a great example. He mentions the fact that he's not going to work for anyone anymore because he's been a slave most of his life. He's had to work for the Empire. He didn't like the stuff he was made to do and now he wants to sit in peace. I don't need to know the backstory. I don't need to see flashbacks of how dreadful his life was. I already can put those dots together. You almost feel the guy's pain and you can fully empathise with what it is he wants to do and why he wants to do it. And then you draw a line under that and let him get on with doing his part of fulfilling the story arc. Whereas in Discovery, what you'd have to do is do a flashback to show how tragic the life was and to make sure that we highlight how many people they killed and then that they had two sisters and they died tragically and that left him scarred for the rest of his life. And that's why you turn. It's like, I don't need to know all that shit. I just need to know that he did bad stuff. He didn't really like it and he didn't want to do it ever again move on that's why i think it works is it's not shoehorning everything that we know about star wars into you know the the season it will happen naturally 
And given that this show is probably going to get five seasons, I mean, the filming seasons three and four back to back right now, because they've very cleverly thought ahead and using the technology they've developed and pioneered is all COVID friendly. They've had people on set in their own caravans since lockdown. So they're filming season three and four back to back. Now we know they're going to be probably do more that the reality is that because they can tell the story and weave into this bits and pieces that fans will love, but also create its own direction. It doesn't need to overwhelm the viewer because the viewer, as Mark said, it's implied that if you've seen the Star Wars films, you're probably going to know a little bit about it. And And all these characters can appear in other things, can't they? Any other shoot-off or whatever. Well, exactly. It's the Mandalorian, isn't it? It's not the Blair show. No. (laughs) You know, so you, I would watch that know. show, though. Well, that'll be, be a reality show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eating with the blurgs. So that's for me, it was one of the main things. And it wasn't heavy salad. It wasn't trying to be clever. It wasn't being political. It wasn't trying to tell me about, you know, things going on in 20th century Earth. It was basically keeping it real for the period that we know and love. It was all pioneering. It was using practical effects. And they're all things that are mean a standout for me. And as Mark said earlier on, it didn't seem like it was a 38 minute episode. No, and you can no. binge it at the end of it. You have that drop of dopamine. If any show that gives you that feeling of sadness yeah. at the end of it, it's hit all the right notes for me on a psychological level. And I'm feeling sad because we've just ended episode three. So what about episode four, Mark? I like the segue. Thank so you. chapter four, Sanctuary. Uh, Mandalorian is now flying to the planet of Sorgon and finds that there is a local village being terrorized by raiders. And obviously the villagers see that the Mandalorian's arrived and they ask him for help. He kind of reluctantly agrees, but he comes across our latest cipher, Cara Dune, played by the wonderful female wrestler WWE. I was going to say WWF, but that's the worldwide... Well, it used to be WWF in our day, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then someone got a letter from a lawyer. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> So WWE wrestler Gina Carano, people will know her from the various films, well-known. More recently from the social media tweets, but <laughs> let's not dwell on them, eh? Yeah, later on. That's season two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it turns out her story, she was a former shock trooper for the Rebels, and it turns out that she's been hiding out on Sorgan, and basically she helps him. They managed to do the usual thing, which is a bit of an A-team situation, if anyone fans of the A-team, where they get all the villagers to be, yeah. instead of being farmers, them they, to fight. they train them, don't they? They give them yeah. pitchforks and uh, hand-to-hand combat and train them in weapons and stuff like that. And, and then sort of kind of turn them into the Ewoks in a way. Yeah. And they fight back against the ATST. And then meanwhile, while that's going on in the episode, Baby Yoda is playing with the kids. Oh, it's being so all, sweet, being all isn't cute, it? isn't he? All cutie. Yeah. You can hear Disney laughing their heads off at the merchandising opportunities here because yeah. it's near to Christmas yeah. and they're going, <laughs> He's got a merciless streak, though, because whenever he sees a frog, he just wants to eat it. Well, let's be honest. He's like that kid who used to hang around your pack lunch and just steal bits out. And you go, oh, mate, come on, look the size of you. <laughs> if anything, stop putting that in your mouth. I mean, do we know if he likes frogs or is he just storing them to keep them warm? We don't even know. What's the diet? No, I think he there? does eat one, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. does. I mean, well, he they does make him spit it out. He didn't yeah. voluntarily put it in his mouth and no. then spit it out. He was told to spit it out. He almost, as I say, eats a frog. He's a bit of a greedy guy. Imagine him on an all meat buffet. And Mando nearly gets himself a bit of love. As well, because yeah. he's got that lady who he seems to quite fancy a person yeah. who she's never seen. The widow, Amira. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. right in there, isn't she? She's like, to stay and everything. I, I love a bit of bling. Yeah. Why don't you hang around and keep your helmet on? Yeah. <laughs> 
or not as a case maybe yeah. it's a bit like online dating isn't it where people put a photograph on from five years ago he's got a helmet on no one looks like he doesn't know what it looks like it could be a woman underneath there it could be anyone and then we go oh i just love best car Get, let me buff you up that sounds like one of my chat up lines <laughs> obviously it turns out that not only do they kind of form a bond but she's pretty good with a blaster they've kind of bonded over the idea of killing people which is always a winner for very romantic yeah. I wonder what one of their dates would be would it be like just going to slaughter a cantina yeah <laughs> so anyway he does make a bond with Amira and the idea is that he's going to leave baby Yoda with them because he's traveling around and obviously he doesn't want to put him at risk but it turns out that obviously the bounty hunters are still after baby Yoda so rather than risk his newfound love Mandalorian decides that he needs to keep on the move and Take, and obviously Baby Yoda does one little cute face and all yeah. the people are going, oh no, and they decide to go off and keep on the run. I particularly like this episode because you get the coupe version of the Atat, the Atat yeah. S, yeah. the sports model. With the red eyes. And the two legs yeah. instead of the four legs. Yeah. It felt like the two-door coupe that you'd yeah. you know, you'd go around the Nürburgring in. Yeah, we have seen them on Endor though, haven't we? In your Endor. We also get, Mark, the bounty hunter is from Star Wars, isn't he? They're all from Star Wars, Dave. No, from the original. (laughs) All right, got you. There's a reason you're on the show. From A New Hope. Yes, from A New Hope. Off Tatooine, isn't he? Ah, good spot. He's one of those with a big long face, and Mark will know the name of them, probably. He knows all the Torags, Mark. Oh, the one with the squid face one? Yes, the one that she shoots in the forest. We get something coming back, don't we? Yeah, I mean, again, it pays homage to it, doesn't it? It doesn't dwell yeah. on it. It's implied when we're in the same star sector as Star Wars is set that these people will be around and these just around will anyway, be around. Yeah. yeah, because there's loads of Easter eggs. I mean, I've been very careful not to go on all Easter eggs because some of them are kind of implied that you would see them because of where you are. It's you know, it's like going to Liverpool and not bumping into Scousers. Yeah. It's there. They're everywhere. They get around. But, you know, the, the point is, is that, it's all of this wonderful setting and the backdrop to it all builds for the story because you don't need to be told those things. You know them. No. You just settle into it. So absolutely, the species you mentioned is, in fact, the bounty hunter that we've seen before. Because you don't really know an awful lot about Cara Dune at this point, but you already no. start to quite like... Yes. Well, I did anyway. I immediately really liked the character. I, I thought she was interesting. I thought she was quite cool. She could do decent stuff. And I was quite happy to see a bit more of her as the story went on. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the good thing is it it dips into these stories and it can decide whether it focuses on them more or less, depending on whether it it actually adds value to the story. And the other thing that has to be said is because it's a short show with shorter episodes, it has to be clever with the time it's given. So if it's going to go off on tangent and go, is Cara doing, oh, by the way, she was a shock trooper, let's spend a whole episode on her. Yeah, let's do some flashbacks. Yeah, it doesn't work. You can very quickly establish her sorrow or her angst based on the fact that she's got a tattoo on her face and how she is. She well, he basically says, right, I'm off to blow up some Empire people, and she yeah. instantly goes, yep, I'm in. can connect the dots yourself. She doesn't like them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's why it works. So, I mean, unless I've missed anything else, we'll move on to Chapter 5. Do it, Mark. Do it. So this Go one's called The Gunslinger. So we kind of open when the Razor Crest is under attack again by another bounty hunter, and obviously he manages to take up the other ship. His own ship ends up getting pretty damaged. So he does a usual pit stop into Tatooine yeah. and uh, lands in exactly the same place as we remember the Millennium Falcon landing, and he is met with Peli Motto, who's played by Amy Sidaris, who plays her character wonderfully, and she is given the task to fix 
his ship again yeah. with no droid help. It was made clear because obviously they killed his family. So he's not a big fan of droids. Basically, as a result of her doing it, she wants to get paid. So he has to go around the cantina. Now, this is what I was going to say earlier and got ahead of myself. The cantina he goes to is the same cantina from A New Hope. The yeah. interesting thing fans will notice straight away is it is now being run by droids. Yes. Now, anyone who fans of the show of Star Wars and New Hope will remember that CP3O and R2D2 were not allowed because they, yeah. they said, We don't serve droids here. Yes. And so now it is now being run by droids. As he goes to the cantina, the Mandalorian encounters Toro Calacan and he asks to uh, track down the bounty for a mercenary named Fennec Shand, who's played by the wonderful Ming Na Wen, fans of yeah. Target Universe. And Shield. Also. Agents for Shield, yeah, will know of her. So she, that obviously, is the person they're looking for. Toro and Mandalorian track her through the desert with a few nods to where the, the pod racing was, and we see. Yeah, we get, um, get speed bike. Yeah, we oh, do. Yeah. Did That's you have one of those, Dave? Oh, I'd love, I haven't got one. Oh, I had one as a kid. I must admit they were amazing. They had a little button you pressed at the back, and it, oh. you know, in the film when they're with the Ewoks and they blow it up and the bits yeah. go everywhere, you push the button, yeah. all the bits used to break off in all sorts of directions. It was quality, was it that? It was the way they used to start up, like a proper motorbike. Yeah. Yes. You heard love it. Them. Yeah, fantastic. So we get those again. And so he tracks her through the Tatooine desert and. There's Jabba's Palace, obviously, is on Tatooine. We know this from the films. And then basically, Defender, as per usual, when you're employing mercenaries, typical as per it tends to go, is he... Um, crosses him. Oh, he was such yeah. a knobhead, wasn't he, though? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously, what a knobhead. Absolutely. You just killed him. I mean, with so little experience in the bounty hunting world, he wanted to get into the guild, which yeah. suggests that he was very wet behind the ears. Why would you try and pit yourself against two of the most dangerous bounty hunters in that sector? It just made no sense. When he was doing it, I'm just thinking, you need to die now. There's yeah. no other solution that will make me happy other than you just dying a painful death. Um, Absolutely. Which brought the malevolent side out of me. <laughs> if you're going to be mercenary, you need to be a strong character, don't you? And if you don't bring that through, it, it doesn't work. So obviously, his betrayal fails. And Fennec says to Mando that obviously he is worth a lot more than her. And I say Toro's betrayal is foiled by some help from Peli. And the Razor Crest, the Razor Crest is off again. But we get one of the two exciting moments of this show, or at least season one, is as the episode comes to an end, we see a dark figure approaching Fennec's body, telling us that possibly she may come back in the future. And who is this dark shadow? Now, fans will pose the question, is it Boba Fett? Is it Boba Fett? Is it Boba Fett? Now, we don't know, do we? Because we're on season Well, we one. do, because we've seen the other episodes she after this, yeah. and we know the answers, but shall we pretend no? no don't no, know. No. no. Who, who is who it? Who is well, it? We, fans will say Boba Fett, but we don't know till don't know yet. next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which will give our listeners what, an opportunity to come back and listen to see quick, uh, episode two. Quick, fast forward to next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Welcome yes. to next week's show. <laughs> So chapter six, The Prisoner, starts with Mandalorian reaching out to a friend, Ran, played by Mark Boone Jr., and he gets hired to go on a jailbreak mission with a shady crew. This is a fantastic yeah. episode with fans of Bill Bear, if you listen to his podcast. I got particularly uh, excited of- because Sons of Anarchy, that's where I knew the guy from. You know, the hairy, long-haired oh, yeah. geezer who Plans- sort of puts Plans- the team to- Yeah, he puts the team together. I was like, wow, Sons of Anarchy, yeah. This episode is filled with people. You had Richard Iodi from the IT crowd doing the voice of Q90. 
You had Natalia Tenner, who um, I think she's been in Game of Thrones. I could be wrong, but I think she was in Game of Thrones. She's in there. Bill Burr, famous comedian. And then Clancy Brown, I know him from a few other shows. I'm telling you. There's Mark Boone Jr. I'm on about from Sons oh, of sorry, Anarchy. I'm, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Mark Boone Jr. Sons of Anarchy. Clancy Brown, yeah, he was the big red dude who looked like a devil. Yeah, I mean, Cannon is an actual species that we see, I think, in the, the cantina. Now, you see Natalie Tina, who played the blue girl. She was Tonks in Twilight. Harry Potter. Yes. I think Game of Thrones. Has she been in Game of Thrones? Is that Game just, of Thrones or Harry Potter? She's in all the Harry Potters. Obviously, I'm doing this off the top of my head, uh, which is a bit like the, <laughs> an IMDb. Yeah, it's a bit like an IMDb library, Dave, to be honest. Yes, she was in Game of Thrones between 2011 and 2016. My brain is telling me continue right and so anyway this ragtag group of people are now geared up to do this jailbreak it's a bit um, like the suicide squad of star wars yeah, isn't it yeah. really it's like a low calorie version of that so he's obviously aware that these people are not the greatest people to be aligned with but even so they managed to take out our squad of droids and then they retrieve quinn played by ismail cruz cordova zeon's brother and they betray mando again yeah. and leave him in a cell in the prison yeah. Obviously, being Mandalorian, he breaks out of the cell, takes down the rest, leaves them alive, that must be said, which is an interesting twist, and then brings Quinn back to Ran with no questions asked. Yeah, You have skipped over the fact that they try and leave him in prison to die. That's probably implied they weren't coming back to feed him pizzas yeah. and things, let's yeah. be honest. I mean, once you put them in prison, you don't go back, do you? Unless, yeah. of course, you're married to them, in <laughs> which case that doesn't last long. Well, you shouldn't really have them entrapped and locked away if you're married to them, one assumes. I mean, you're not a very good mercenary if you go back <laughs> to make sure they're still alive. But let's be honest, usually when you leave people to die, the clue's in the title. But it seems that there are no decent people around because even though he goes back, Ran then tries to kill Mandalorian as he flies away. But he plants a tracker and the X-Wings, which were piloted by the directors of the show, Deborah Chow and Rick Famuyiwa and Dave Filoni, who, again with John Favreau, writers of this show and others were the X-Wing pilots. He's the proper nerd though, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, from yeah. the team. Dave, I mean, Favreau clearly loves Star Wars, uh, yeah. but he's sort of a next level nerd. He was the one who was like, we need to introduce this or yeah. that's or not bring fact. That back. Yeah. That's why the show works when you've got a fan basically helming yeah. it and they blow up his base and that kind of wraps up that episode. Boom. So we move on cool. to chapter seven, Some. The Reckoning. He gets a call from his mate, Grief, giving him grief and says there's an opportunity he can't refuse to kind of make things up to him from what had happened on the planet where he was getting hunted down. So he returns to Navarro, but because he's clever and because he's a bounty hunter, he decides to pick up some reinforcements. And this is where we get the reintroduction of Kara, Khalil, and the reprogrammed IG-11. Now, I mentioned the reprogramming because you mentioned earlier about why you would want to do these things as a droid. His protocols have now changed, and he's a bit more in line with being a bit nicer. Well, they've turned him into a nanny, haven't they, really? Yeah. Basically, (laughs) yeah. baby monitor in the (laughs) universe. (laughs) A nanny with a gun. Well, 15 guns. I saw something the other day on Twitter and my wife told me to go and get me a baby monitor and it was a picture of the IG-11. <laughs> yeah. Love it. That's the way forward, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, <laughs> Khalil's reprogrammed IG-11 to not be an assassin droid to now serving tea. <laughs> oh, changing nappies. Yeah. You're not going to argue with him, are you? Is this thing is you don't know with him being an assassin protocol droid. 
you don't know whether he's suddenly going to have like a flip. You know, if you accidentally yeah, spilled it on him. Go to know. bed. No. Go to bed. Um, no. Yeah. Go to bed. Uh, yep. Off. <laughs> Go yeah, in. It's when you get the red eye of doom. <laughs> Not to be confused with pink eye, Dave. <laughs> We're but, back onto yeah. the pizzas and all that. Yeah. 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 Dave's rubbing salami in his eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> Whilst licking eggs. Yeah. <laughs> his top off. Easter will never be the same again. You've um, ruined that holiday for me. Uh, <laughs> so basically, yeah, so Khalil's reprogrammed him and his new squad go into the outskirts of Navarro and he reunites with grief. And the interesting thing is that none of these people really know each other enough to trust each other. So you've got this interesting dynamic where they're all working together but none of them really know whether they're going to get double-crossed. And going by the last episodes, they're probably going to be a good chance of that. So after fighting off a pack of mine... In all again, seriousness, though, did at any point, did any of you two not think that they were going to double-cross them at some point? I mean, in Star Wars, they have the good guys and the bad guys, and they look like good guys, and they look like... Anyone with sharp, pointy teeth, anyone with red eyes, anyone with horns, like these are the major characteristics of people you go yeah you're a bad guy i don't yeah. care what you say you're turning out to be a bad guy and when yeah. these two turn up with grief you're it's like not. yeah that, there's only one way this is going absolutely well i mean rules to live by is don't get into cars with people with the horn <laughs> <laughs> or red eye <laughs> yeah so if you see someone with red eye sharp teeth Just and the horn quick. clear off yeah shouldn't be dogging anyway say um, no kids <laughs> Yeah. But then what happens is there's a pack of Minox, which again, they call back to the films, and Grief gets hurt. But then, as if by the powers of Grayskull, Baby Yoda lays hands like Purple Katie on a Reiki table and waves his hands over him and heals him using the Force. Yeah. So it's clear that the mercenaries don't know about the Skywalkers or, in fact, the abilities that they have to Force heal. And so, as we find out, Grief decides not to betray Mandalorian and Kara. Instead, the three of them head into town, and Baby Yoda's being looked after by Khalil, who says he'll be safe. Meanwhile, the client is trying to get his new merchandise back and gets a call from his boss, Moff Gideon, played by the wonderful Giancarlo Esposito, who, in everything I've seen, plays a baddie. Yeah. Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, Revolution. He's even in a game. He's in a new game when he plays a baddie. So his agent goes, hey, we're coming in. Do you want to be a villain? Yeah, fine. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Actually, villains are the best roles to play, if I'm being yeah. honest. So he now suddenly arrives, surrounded by stormtroopers, ready. And I'm not being funny. This is some firefight, isn't it, guys? Biggest gun ever. Wow. Isn't it? A massive. I mean, that gun he has just basically just shreds that. I mean, we need to get him. What's name in to do some plastering? <laughs> he, he, he shreds that wall. I'm surprised not one in person was shot by any of those bullets. Yeah. Clearly, they went to the same shooting school as those uh, stormtroopers. Yeah. 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 They missed. I mean, not being funny, the world's biggest gun in not one round hit yeah. anyone. So the first wave, in fact, takes out our friend, the client. Yeah. He's gone. So they take out the wrong people. But then he sends in some stormtroopers to acquire Baby Yoda from Khalil's care. And they kill our friend, Khalil. Oh, yeah. Khalil. He dies. That's quite sad. Yeah. We thought he would have survived for future episodes. Um, so he's gone now. One of our favourites. Which one's Khalil? The guy who says... Oh. I've spoken. Yeah. Ah, yes, of course. Fella. Yes. It's he's just a nice fellow, isn't he? he well, yeah, yeah. He, was, he seemed pretty sound, didn't he? He was handy yeah, to have around. Just living yeah, in his little hut. Yeah, yeah, he's just down to earth. Fixing he's, he's shit. Served, yeah, he served the Empire, 
and he's decided to just take his little piece of heaven, yeah. leave everyone alone, do a bit of farming, punch yeah. a blag in the face, um, <laughs> and you know that's and they it. Kill him. But, and they kill him. And they kill him. Yeah. So that's what you get for serving the empire. Mindless violence, if you ask yeah, me. Terrible. Terrible. Absolutely. So that then moves us on to episode eight, the final episode, if I'm right. It is. This was quite a good one. We raised a few eyebrows with fans because obviously we have the speeder bike troopers who have yeah. nabbed Baby Yoda, played by the wonderful comedians Jason Stekas and now Adam Pally. And in fact, there's an interesting story here because in the episode, they punch Baby Yoda. Yeah, um, well, this is funny. <laughs> and basically he was told by John Favreau don't punch him that's like $250,000 worth of thing and they treat apparently on set they treat Baby Yoda as one of the cast <laughs> but John Favreau was like you do realise that this is like it's probably, probably, it's probably half a million it's probably a bit more than 250000 it's like but, punching someone's kid yeah, yeah, yeah so I think the script called for him to punch him but I think he punched him that hard and he obviously had a word in his ear and went, just so to let you know, that's about half a million pounds worth of effects. Because it's some of his puppetry, but it's an actual working, fully functional, atomically correct Yoda. It's a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> they treat it as an actual member of the cast. In fact, there's actual behind the scenes shots of Padro Pascal talking to Baby Yoda. Um, yeah, it's just a bit weird though, isn't it? Well, it's a bit like we do in our house with ours. We watch the telly. He watches the footy. He actually didn't want to come here today, so I didn't bring him with me. Yoda, go get me a beer from the fridge. Go on, you lazy little yeah. toad. That'd be quite cool because he could just like force it over to you, couldn't he? Well, you yeah. see, to be honest, Mark, if Dave hadn't been so stingy, he could have bought the animatronic one that probably would have gone to the fridge to I get him a beer. That, yeah. There's the failings in your plan there, Dave. Yeah. You've got the cushion with a head, the one that doesn't move, <laughs> the inanimate object version, which is neither use nor ornament for getting beers from the fridge. Yeah, the animatronic one is pretty good because when you lie it down. It does the sleeping snores. I've got two dogs that do that, and I'm I keep yeah. on getting told every morning that I do that as well. So I don't need a yeah, Yoda doing that for me now. <laughs> Basically, after punching Baby Yoda, they get what's coming to them, and a swift justice is delivered by IG Eleven, yes. who doing his nursemaid duty basically rescues him. Commits yeah. murder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. murder. That's one of the criteria for a baby minder. Can you kill? Yeah. Well, there's been some famous au pairs over the years who've been up for murder. <laughs> Well, Vin Diesel was in the movie. Oh, he was like the nanny. Yeah, Yeah. that was one. I've never seen that film because he just gave me a date looking at the title. Yeah. But meanwhile, Mandalorian's team and Moff Gideon's Stormtrooper team has still got the standoff going on. And so somebody in the group says, I know, shall we decide to escape via the sewers? And then just as basically the Imperial forces set up this huge blaster beforehand, Gideon is trying to buy time and Moff Gideon is negotiating with Mandalorian and basically the firefight suddenly gets interesting because again to the rescue IG-11 turns up Mandalorian gets injured and he does what every hero says and goes no go on without me no save yourselves as you do when you're group you go all right bye (laughs) dive down into the suit good friends there no save yourselves okay thank you bye so they do that and they disappear but basically baby yoda's trying to be helpful which is quite funny because he's quite powerful but he's pretty pretty little isn't yeah. he you can't reach yeah he's like me on the rides at Alton towers never get on him <laughs> too small so he holds off the fire with grief and kara but unfortunately ig doesn't and The one thing that this Mandalorian isn't allowed to do as a guild rule is to have his helmet pulled off. Hey! Dave, give us what you do when you're at home. (laughs) Pulling your helmet off. Yeah, thanks for that. Appreciate the update. We'll tune in later, Dave, for more (laughs) exciting things you'd get up to at night. Okay. (laughs) 
So one of his rules is he's not allowed to remove his helmet or, in fact, show his face, um, which is what happened to me at the local baths when the S fell off my speedos. I'm not allowed to show my face anymore. Apparently breaststroke isn't what I thought it was. So he obviously quite a good dynamic in this particular episode because he hates droids, and yet he allows IG-11 to pull off his helmet. <laughs> So he can receive the care he needs. And we get to see... We already know that IG-11 is a more caring soul at this point. Yeah. Well, because of the reprogramming, you see. So, But we then we have to see Pedro Pascal, to be fair. It might have been somebody else for the last seven episodes. He just but, turned up for this one yeah. scene. Takes all the glory. Best job ever. He's like, do you want this job? You only needed for like 10 minutes. Well, actually, that is true, isn't it? Because they do have two other people who play the physical version of the Mandalorian. They have the Kung Fu geezer who She's does all the people. fighting stuff. And then they have the cowboy fella who does yeah. the pistol shooting thing. So actually, you're not so far off the real truth no. where you say he was for that scene and probably just stood around leaning next to it, just looking gorgeous. He spent most of his time recording like we are in a room, all of his lines, and the yeah. two stunt doubles have been doing the work for the past seven episodes, and he just turns up, has some buffet, slaps Baby Yoda's hands from touching balls and goes, right, I'll have a scotch egg, let's crack on with the show. So he gets his helmet pulled right off. And we get to see his face. Hurrah! And then everyone follows the Mandalorian's instructions and gets off down the sewers. Then we find that the guild were all living down below. Down below, yeah. After an attack. And the armourer is there and salvaging what has essentially been left. And like everyone else, the armourer wants to see Baby Yoda. And Mandalorian explains the situation. And she then gives the backstory and says that Baby Yoda is in fact a foundling yeah. and needs to be returned to his people. So she then gives him another bit of his super kick-ass armor, which is the insignia of the mud horn. Don't know whether <laughs> whatever defeats you, you get on it. So I mean, well, she uh, says she defeated it, and he goes, "Nah, that's not how we went down. I'd like to claim that, but I'd have a cream egg on mine." <laughs> Why did you get defeated by a cream egg? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> No, he defeated the cream egg. She, the yeah, cream but, egg. Yeah. but the Mandalorian got battered. It was Baby Yoda that stopped the mud horn. Yeah, no, but he saved Baby Yoda, and so on a technicality, apparently, that still works. Yeah. Right, I mean, I'd have a Tesco trolley on mine, because I always end up with the one with the wonky wheel, so <laughs> I would get defeated by a Tesco trolley. So, yes, he ends up with the mud horn as his signet, and... Basically, he declares himself, interestingly, as a clan of two. And he also gets what fans have been looking forward to, the really impressive streamlined jetpack that everyone I've seen, obviously, well, Boba oh, Fett used ridiculously badly. In one shot, Boba Fett decides to have it turned on accidentally, like a Henry Hoover, and end up in the Sarlacc <laughs> pit. So that worked out well, didn't it? So let's hope yeah. Mandalorian uses this jetpack a bit better. Yeah. Can um, I ask a question about the planet that they were on? Because IG-11 obviously disappears into the lava river, and and I know I'm skipping ahead of time, but let's pretend I don't. In season two, they go back to this same planet where there's lots of lava flowing through the planet. Is this the same planet that Anakin Skywalker in the prequels goes and, you know, when he's fighting with Obi-Wan and oh, ends no. up in the lava with no. his all his arms and legs burnt off, or is that just a similar Thing. I think it's just a lava flow. The one you're talking about is where, in fact, Darth Vader lives. Yeah. Yeah. I bet Star Wars people are shouting at the phone right now. At no, the two marks. Tell me why I'm wrong. Come on. Your Twitter account's going to blow up in it. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> that Mr. Pollard guy knows nothing. It is 14 points. I need to check it to care, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The one he fights on that he ends up going, no. Yeah. He lives there. Yeah. Right. This is just happens to be another lava. Well, I think I was going to say a palava. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're here a week. 
So Team Mando flees with the stormtroopers after them, but basically Armour, who's pretty kick-ass, managed just to take a few of them out. Not for a pie dinner, kill them. And then they locate a boat, apparently, which can travel on molten lava. IG-11. Hang on, you're skipping all over the show. I thought we'd been down the lava place. No, we're in the lava now. All right, okay. I'll do that. the head, as you rightly said. Uh, Do you literally say something, then forget you said it. No, I just lost where we're at in the episode. I should have really watched it before we had this conversation. <laughs> well, you jumped ahead. I was filling in the bit before that, and now, now yeah. on to the bit where you are. So they get the boat, and as you rightly say, IG-11 sacrifices himself, which wipes out all of the other stormtroopers. They get to just chill out before Mr. Moff Gideon right. turns up in a massive TIE fighter, which crashes. don't know what the cost of replacing that is, but no. you know, it's not going to be good. Grief. Tries to help, tries to get Baby Yoda's health and test him, do the magic hand thing. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. That's the good thing with this. It brings humour to it, doesn't yeah. it, really, as well? It's not heavy salad. It, it's quite well written, the humour. Baby Yoda promptly doesn't. He really just waves his hands. And we get to see the Mandalorian use his newly found jetpack, attacks Moff Gideon, planting a bomb, which explodes, as I said. And somehow he manages to survive. Grief will kind of fast forward into the bit where grief has. Oh, hang on, are we fast forwarding now? No, yeah. All I'm doing is picking bullet points because, in the interest of time. Well, I got told off for jumping ahead, and now you're jumping ahead. I just feel it's a bit hypocritical. Oh, this is the way. <laughs> I have spoken. So, Grief asks Cara to become his enforcer, which sets up the fact that I think it's obvious that we're going to see Grief and yeah. Cara Dune again, which is great. I don't think they were overused. I think the characters worked well in the whole narrative. Mandalorian jetpacks away with Baby Yoda to take on the mission that he's been given by the armorer, which is to get him back to his people. So we know where that's going to go. But obviously beforehand, he does the honorable thing and he buries Kuil, which is, I thought they would have done that beforehand. His body's probably decomposing yeah. now on the desert wasteland. It's going to be yeah. minging by the time you get there, wouldn't it? You'd have all the flies on it and bits oh. that have been pulled off and eaten. <laughs> oh, no. You get there, there'd be half of him like in front of you and another half of them over there and oh yeah, yeah. no, no. Well, look, that, that's exactly right it's like I would have buried him straight away instead of thinking well I've got to go back now I've got to get this guy back to his people oh yeah. no did, what, did you do that thing we're supposed to do what put out oh, the bins no. no bury that guy I'd, oh, have just rolled, over there. I'd have just rolled him in the lava river and left no, it I mean why no do more yeah exactly why do more work than you need to do and then the thing that we find out obviously which wraps up this season is that Moff Gideon is still alive. And not yes. only that, he is wielding the infamous Darksaber. Yes. Fans of the cartoon series will know exactly what that means. And fans of Mandalorian people or the Mandalorian people themselves will know what it means. So it leaves it on a cliffhanger, but also for the fans, guaranteed return for season two. Yes. I wasn't massively bothered about Moff Gideon. I couldn't really decide whether he was big enough and bad enough for me. He just no. kind of felt like the next person up the chain from the last fella that had been killed. Yeah, he was never going to be a Darth Vader, was he? No, he felt like he was about three rungs down in the pecking yeah. order of Darth Vader. And so, he was badass, but... Not Although badass he is, enough. Yeah. He is noticeably wearing, essentially, what Darth Vader... Without a helmet. Yeah, he's, pulled, he's obviously got no helmet. <laughs> he's pulled his helmet off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, he obviously has a bit of Darth Vader envy with his outfit. One of those kids who just sort of buys it. It's close enough to the person they're copying, but not quite as cool, but near enough just for yeah. you to go, hmm, bit try hard that. Could be. It's a bit yeah. like me with the Baby Yoda. I should have gone for the full one and I bought the cheap one. Oh, my God, you're the Moff Gideon of the real world. 
In fairness, Dave, the other one, the low calorie version one, is not less expensive as such. It's, it is expensive in itself. So like, don't do yourself down. Okay. I mean, you could have got. I don't know for comedic itself. value. I'd much rather keep it going. we yeah, put him okay. down. We put him down. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, we just go back to the egg. Yeah. Well, there's loads. Yeah. There's plenty of things. Yeah. I mean, the whole show on Dave, we can do. Yeah. We've got nothing to do with okay. Mandalorian just when he gets up to when he's in his <laughs> underpants. So, I mean, what did we think before we move into Easter egg territory? Because I know you two. Oh, my God. Loads. We'll be here till Christmas with Easter eggs. Oh. Ah, well, no, I preempted it at the beginning by saying I've been very selective with Easter eggs. Okay. So, Dave, go on. What were your feelings about season one? By the end of season one, were you happy? Were you sad? Were you looking forward to season two? Which things particularly floated your boat? What made you happy? What made you sad? Uh, I don't know. No, I think questions um, do get harder, Dave. Yeah, no, I just think it gave us all the flavour of what we love about Star Wars. Took us right back, loads of new characters. But like Mark said about like Cara Dune, you knew they were coming back, and you knew they were going to be sort of influential in it. So it just left us wanting more. And and again, you, you know, it had all the classic stuff in there. And then I, I think when we get on to season two next week, I think it got even better. Yeah, totally. Just score it, Dave, out of ten. I'd give it nine and a half out of ten. Ooh, strong. Right, right up there. Do you know what? I'm with Dave on this. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it felt cool. It felt real. It was new enough to be interesting, but had enough callbacks for it to feel familiar. The characters were interesting. Even though the episodes weren't particularly long, they felt long. It didn't feel like... that's what made it good. Yeah, they didn't feel like they were rushing anything in. They weren't squeezing stuff in. It felt like everything had enough room to breathe. They picked a central story arc. They followed that story arc with little bits of extras sort of dotted in when they were scoped to do so. Nothing more complicated than that. I thought... Season one was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Couldn't have waited any... Well, thankfully, by the time I got to start watching it, season two was already available, so I didn't have to wait. I could just yeah. crack straight on. Into and it. Thank goodness for that. I would go 0.5, because to be honest, Dave, we don't do 0.5 of a score, so you've got to pick a 9 or a 10. 10. It's got to be 10. Well, there you go. I'm definitely with Dave, because I would give this a 10 out of 10, because I thought it was amazing. What about you, Latham? What about Mark? Well, I was going to give it a 9 out of 10, because I don't do 10s. Oh, boo. Boo. Yeah, but well, nothing's ever a one unless it's Star Trek Discovery Season 3, and nothing's a ten. Oh, hang on a minute, Mr. Hypocrisy. <laughs> what did you say? Nothing's ever a one. Oh, let me go, on. gonna, let me go to your let, yeah, let me go to your scoring system of Willy's Wonderland where you gave it zero. That's not a one, though, is it? And that's on the premise that I gave Capone one with the starting of when I used to do exams, I was told if you spelt your name correctly on the front you got a mark so you always start off with a one and you give it a zero yeah because i tuned in to watch a film with nicholas cage who doesn't say a single word in 88 minutes of a film i tuned in to watch so he got zero because he's the star quality and he says nothing i know but what you yeah. watch charlie chaplin so you don't give it a 10 i'm not giving it a 10, this, which is basically if you give it a 10 what if next season's better? What are you going to do? Give it 11 out of 10? You can't, can you? No, you just so give it 10 because it's equally as perfect. Just 10 and it, 10. It might not be. It might be better than the 10. It might be 10.1, in which case, if you rounded it down, it's still 10. But it might be 10.6, in which case, it's 11. We didn't do 11 out of 10. Whereas I 
can go, well, it's a 10. And you can go, oh, I wish I didn't give it a 10. And but what happens if you've given this at nine? Season two's better, so you give it a 10, and then season three's better than Crazy season better. two, yeah? That bollocks you up, doesn't it? Because you're back in our boat again. We've just gone early with our 10s, haven't we, we just, Dave? We just well, loved it. You, you're, both yeah. preempt, you're both premature scorers. I mean, without inventing the future, you know, we haven't seen season two yet, have we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, have we, you though? can peek have behind the curtain, though. <laughs> So season two might be a nine for me, which means if season three is better, I give it a ten, and if, mm. if not, I give it another nine. That's how I'm gonna go. Well, so precise. precise. But the reason why I've given it a nine is because I think single-handedly this show is a love letter to the fans. It doesn't try to be political. It doesn't try to be woke. It isn't trying to shoehorn thoughts to tell me how to think. It has enough to keep me interested as a fan. It, it appeals to someone who isn't an ardent fan of Star Wars and enjoys single stories about sci-fi the characters aren't overpopulated with backstory it isn't top heavy with shoehorning in people who are supposed to know who they are you can watch it as a fan and not a fan and be quite confident that we may revisit it if the story needs it we don't suddenly find ourselves going oh by the way there's such and such so that's why i've given it a nine and yeah i loved it loved the show i loved the theme tune i loved the whole the writing the character development the depth of the characters believing it was you were there it, it drew you in all of it was all good, and obviously the little nods to what exists, whether you've watched the Clone Wars or you've seen the films or anything like that, and little nuances. It just you can tell it was made by fans yeah. for fans. So there you go. What about Easter eggs then? Um, Bear in mind well, we're again, two hours in. Um, <laughs> I've kept it concise, and I will wheel through these very quickly if ever can. So Life Day fans or not fans of Star Wars Holiday Special celebrates Life Day, which is kind of what Wookiees celebrate on Kashyyyk. We get that mentioned in episode one when he has his pulse rifle, which is, again, a little bit of a nod to the holiday special because that was canon. So we see his pulse rifle. It hadn't been seen before, but he's obviously introduced it there. The Camtono, which is a franchise that has grown throughout the films, and we get the backstories in the episode The Sin, and he gets the payments, and that's the container. It's called the Camtono, but basically mm. the container is the ice cream maker. Ice cream maker, yeah. Now, the important thing about this is, as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't canon. It was basically a throwaway scene in Cloud City in The Empire Strikes Back, and they've thrown it in, and they made it an actual figurine of the guy running through the corridor for his two seconds of fame, and that's what they've made. They've brought that in, so it's now canon. We see when Amy Sedaris's character is fixing the Razor Crest, we see the pit droids, which are, if anyone who's seen the prequels, will know they're from the pod racing and yeah. they're the ones that George Lucas came up with as a comedic slapstick character for those prequels in Mos Eisley. And then, as I've already mentioned, we see the cantina in Mos Eisley, which has changed since the films and now is run by droids, not humans. So that was quite a little thing. In the episode, The Prisoner, Anakin Clone Wars voice is heard, which is, again, a kind of throwback to the Clone Wars animated series. And they brought in the actor... Matt Lanter, who played him and did the voice work for that. So that was good. But obviously fans would have been, I don't know whether you've seen the Clone Wars no. series. No, I haven't seen that. There's a lot, you're going to find a lot of callbacks to those because they're trying to bring all of it back in. Because what happened is when Disney decided to decide what was canon, what wasn't, there was a lot of things that were outside of canon. So now what they're bringing in is things that they deem to be canon. And that's what they've done here. The same, in fact, with the Imperial Transporter. Probably the one of the most random Easter eggs that any fan will realise because, in fact, 
it doesn't exist other than we see the Death Troopers in Rogue One in one of them. But it was also, as a child in 1979, it was in fact a toy you could buy. I think they tried it in the Rebels animated series, but it's the toy from the 70s brought it back in. So fair play to them. Cara Dune of Alderaan, which was destroyed by the Empire. You know her backstories because of that fact. A little bit of Star Wars New Hope thrown in. And then last but not least, as I say, there was probably loads, but in the interest of time, pick ones that a lot of people would have probably been aware of. The Darksaber, Moff Gideon has that. And anyone who's watched The Clone Wars or Rebels would be aware of the Darksaber and its importance within canon. Very good. There we go. Lots and lots and lots of Easter eggs. Hopefully you've enjoyed that, guys. That's a whistle-stop tour of Season 1. As I say, we're going to do another of these shows to cover a whistle-stop tour of Season 2. And then when Season 3 comes out, we'll do an episode-by-episode so that we can really drag and squeeze every last drop of it out. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you have, great. Let us know. Vote. Give us a five-star review on the platform you're using to listen to it. Get in contact with us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's at the two marks. Let us know what your thoughts are, if we've got anything wrong. If you just want to tell us that you particularly like a character that we've just dissed, then yeah, let us know. It's all good. If you're uh, a pizza franchise and you would like to sponsor us, <laughs> the two marks at the podstation.co.uk. We'll take anyone's money. It's all good. Dave, thank you very much for joining thank us. You. You'll be joining us for season two, so look forward to that. And Mr. Latham, thank you for all your hard work. Thank God you were here. Thank you all. And thank you to the listeners. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> Without further ado, thanks for listening, guys. And we'll catch you next time. See you later. See you, guys. This is the way. Get social at the two marks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, check them out on YouTube.